Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger. And on this episode of Better Off, we're talking about how to pay down your student loan debt in the most unusual of ways. I met people who their relationships had fallen apart because of debt, because they didn't feel comfortable getting married yet, or they didn't feel comfortable having kids with all this debt. And their partner said, I don't want to wait on these things. Mm -hmm. So it's holding people back in all sorts of ways. Welcome to the Better Off Podcast. We're sponsored by Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor. When I saw that this guest wanted to come on the show, I really was thinking, what? This guy's an actor. What is he? Ah." His name is Michael Torpy. He's uh, one of the cast members in Orange is the New Black. He's uh, one of the prison guards, for those of you who are fans. And thinking, why does this guy want to come on the show? Why? Because he has an interesting new game show. It's called Paid Off with Michael Torpy. And it gives three lucky college graduates, all of whom are saddled with a chunk of student loan debt, the chance to test the depth of their degrees with some trivia questions. And in the end, one of the three contestants gets the chance to have All their student debt paid off. Hey, I'm Michael Torpy. My show Paid Off is the only game show working to end the student debt crisis. As an architecture major, if you could build a structure that would represent your student debt, what would it be? It'd be a giant middle finger. (laughs) (laughs) Paid Off series premiere July 10th. The more you know, the less you owe. It's kind of wild. And what's interesting about this is that here's an actor who has a specific reason that he wants to do this show and uh, i thought it would be fun to have him so here's our interview with michael torpy you're listening to better off with jill schlesinger michael torpy welcome to better off welcome 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 i'm so delighted to have you i you know what i believe you you do i believe you i think you're actually happy to have me here and it makes me feel very good that's excellent we start the program with a very important question you ready yeah best financial decision you've ever made in your life Okay. Um, this is It's a little on the nose for what I think we're going to chat about, mm-hmm. but it was the decision to uh, pay off my wife's student debt. Um, I don't know if in the traditional uh, sense of best financial decision, if that's actually accurate, but when you factor in the mental health aspect of carrying debt, it was uh, an absolute game changer for us. And Uh, We would not be where we are today if we hadn't done it. So you're an actor slash... Well, well, let me... How would you describe yourself first? Actor, comedian, comedian, actor... Actor, comedian, Actor, comedian. Yes. You were in Orange is the New Black. Correct. Among many other credits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How'd you get into acting? I uh, did it growing up. I I think... Well, you were a theater geek? I was. I was. But what was amazing about my high school was it wasn't for geeks. We had a... This amazing teacher named Oki Chenoweth, who came out of the woods of West Virginia and came up to New York and became the theater teacher at my high school. He taught there for 40 years, and he just made a theater program that was for absolutely everybody. Where'd you grow up? Where in New York? I grew York? up in Glenrock, New Jersey. Small, uh, 13,000 people, two train lines coming through, as corny as you could get American small town. Were you into musical theater or straight plays? Did them both. Did them both. You could do tell it all. Tell us some of your. Tell us about some of your. High oh, you want some credits? my credits? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so I jumped into the game freshman year playing uh, Curly in Oklahoma. Mm. Big deal for a freshman to get that lead role, and I did it with long hair and braces. 
interesting. Would you like to sing a few bars of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning? There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. That's it. That's it. That Just is a taste. so good. Just a taste, everybody. Oh. Just a taste. We'll have a separate session here <laughs> where we just sing Broadway show tunes. It'll be like the duplex comes to you. I'm in. I'm um, in. So you do musicals. Mm-hmm. You do straight theater. Correct. And then you go to college. I went to Colgate University. Oh, very fancy. It was very fancy. In in like something weird, like Colgate's in Hamilton, but Hamilton's not. Correct. Hamilton's in Clinton. Hmm. So you just got to keep it confusing up there. They're like ranked right next to each other in the liberal arts rankings. It's They're, they're pretty much the same school. Okay. Uh, but yeah, went up there for four years and I was a theater major there. I wasn't sure I was going to do it when I went to college. I wanted to kind of explore and see where I, where, where I ended up. Uh, and I kind of just ended up doing it because it's what I wanted to study anyway. So I was almost done with the major by my junior year. So I thought, oh, if I decide this is my major, I can then take whatever I want senior year and continue to just explore classes. Okay. So, um, when you graduate with a theater degree from Colgate, Mm -hmm. where do you go next? Uh, you go home. Yeah. You go Hi, back Mom. home. Hi, Dad. <laughs> and did you graduate with debt in from college? No, I did not. So you're a rich kid. I, and, I'm a rich kid, And yes. privileged, which is great. I mean, I am too. Absolutely. So it's like you have to be grateful for what you got. My parents told me, go get into the best school you can get into. We will figure out how to pay for it. They took out a second line of equity on the house. And they paid for my college education. Oh, I would not. If I were their financial advisor, I wouldn't want them to do that. I'd be like, he's going to Rutgers. <laughs> That's where he's going. I uh, I think with my daughter, I will have your opinion. Yes. I love the SUNY schools. Absolutely. They're fantastic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, they, they uh, my dad sat me down before college and said, this is a time for you to learn how to think. This is a time for you to learn how to formulate an opinion and learn how to talk to other people and uh, share ideas and be discerning. And that's how he wanted me to approach college. And, and it was, I'm incredibly grateful to have that freedom to do it. What does he do for a living? He is retired now. Yes. But he he worked in risk insurance. Oh, that's exciting. So he exciting. would build. Oh, <laughs> in the world of insurance, I feel like he had a decent one. Yeah. Because he would uh, work with larger corporations that needed specific plans. So yeah. Kodak would bring him in and they'd put together a special plan just for them. So it wasn't as... You know, I think insurance has a, a there's a tough line of door to door selling those plans. And I no, guess I, I know. think He's, he found he, a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Niche, and I what hope. about your mom? Also in the business or no, not? My mom was a, a visiting nurse. She went really. Uh, she did a lot of home health care for a long time. And then she shifted inside uh, into the office. And then she was unfortunately stuck dealing with insurance companies fighting mm. for patients to get the care that they needed. So neither of those professions seemed in te- terribly enticing to you. You go and you become an actor. Uh, well, you know. What those profession, what my parents instilled in me was a moral compass. To be fully honest, they are two unbelievably kind, moral, thoughtful people. And what happened um, to you? I don't know. God. But I think I took. You know, I, I saw them both in both their professions. They worked with people, um, and it was very important to them to be honest in their careers. And in acting, you know, you it comes from a desire to understand people and you want to then portray them as honestly as you can so people understand the story you're trying to tell. You move home. Mm-hmm. How do you start out? Like, how do yeah. you start as an actor? Like, it, what it, happens? You do, at least what I did, you do the cliche. Uh, I started waiting tables in the city mm-hmm. and I started interning for free at an agency so that someone would send my photo out for castings. So for the first year I was driving into the uh, Upper West Side, I waited tables on 82nd and Columbus. Where? Kitchen 82. Oh, yeah. Now out of business. Yeah, not there. No, it was a fun place to work. They didn't make any money. 
That's a hard way to stay in business. It is. It is. Mm. Well, everybody wanted to eat there because it was $25 price fix, three course, no matter what. But for me then as a waiter, there was no way for me to make any oh, more money God. because everything was set price. Terrible. Um, they went out of business shortly after I left. I think that's probably Probably. Why. Correlation. Uh, then I w- started waiting tables at Bluefin in mm-hmm. Times Square. Much better. Yeah. Able to sell there. And I, now at this point, I've saved enough money to have an apartment in New York with a couple buddies. So well, now- how are you saving up the money? Well, I was living at home for the year. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, lived at home, saved up some cash. And also, I was able to make money at Bluefin. Uh-huh. And enough to pay for rent, mm. which is because I didn't have any student debt. All I needed to do was eat and have somewhere to sleep. Okay. And then I could- do all the other things I needed to do. Hustle. I started saving up to pay for some extra classes. So I went to the William Esper studio in New York. Uh, and just kind of keep hitting the pavement. And what was your big break? Well, I've had, you know, it's been multiple steps. It's been a grind. Uh, and that's kind of what I learned. If you want to do this as your career, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm. And some people sprint. Some people get discovered right out of college or in their teens and then they're set. Uh, but if otherwise, you kind of got to decide, I love this so much that if I if I make money waiting tables and I get to do this in fits and spurts, then that's going to be okay. Hmm. Um, so it was little bits here and there. I, I got a job working for NBC Digital when everybody was kind of figuring out what to do with the internet. So I made a show for them for a little bit. Then I, the team that I met there, we left and started an, an online company called Black 20. And then we were putting out our own content. From there, I got an agent and a manager. I got connections at Comedy Central. I sold a couple pilots to Comedy Central that failed. Then I got booked on Orange is the New Black. But wait a second. I love stuff. the idea of selling something that fails yeah. because you get paid. Absolutely. But you sold it. Did you? Sh- did they shove it in the drawer or did they actually make it? We made it and they passed on it. So I made two failed pilots for them. Wow. So we filmed the whole thing and then they did their testing and then the executive said, uh, thank You're you, out. but no thank you. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you get Orange is the New Black. Yes. Which is pretty big. It was by far the biggest exposure of... Uh, Legit acting. I'd had some big commercial campaigns. I did. Mm. I did a big campaign for Haynes with Michael Jordan. What else? What are your I other did a, a big Chase campaign for the Chase Freedom Card for two years. I was. Don't mention that name. This we're sponsored by Betterment. Well, I'm totally kidding. Well, no, no, no. Here's the thing, guys. <laughs> Betterment's better than Chase. And they're just Chase is just a credit card. They're not going to take exactly. care of your money. No, they're not. Uh, and then I then I booked Orange, and I think that helped. People see me in not just the comedy light. Because up until then, I'd done Veep and Inside Amy Schumer and a bunch of stuff for uh, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. So it was pretty much all comedy. Mm -hmm. But I wanted people to see that other side as well. Now, let us get to the reason why you are here today. Tell us about this new game show that you are launching. Yeah. It's called Paid Off with Michael Torpy. That's you. That's me. How amazing. It's fantastic. I saw the show and I was like, I should work on that show. (laughs) But it's a game show that I came up with uh, based off my family's experience with student debt. You know, as we as we covered, I didn't have any. I was incredibly lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it freed me up to be a theater major, do something financially uh, not that great an idea. Mm. But if I was owing $100,000 coming out of college, I don't think I would have made that choice. I would have felt more pressure to major in something that was going to line up with a career where I could start making some money because I'd have all this debt. So I was a little bit ignorant of the world of student debt until I met my wife. She owed a little over $40,000 when we met, Mm -hmm. and she was making it work. She was uh, working and babysitting on weekends and hustling Mm. to kind of make these payments. Mm -hmm. 
She was working towards her license to be a mental health counselor, Mm -hmm. and that takes 3,000 hours, and no one wants to pay you well for those hours, so it's kind of like you're volunteering on top of your day job, and uh, again, she was figuring it out. She would have eventually, you know, maybe in her late 40s, early 50s, finished with her student debt. And maybe not saved for retirement and been able to buy a house or Exactly. All that time, not buying a house, not being able to invest in her career, rent the office space, do all the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I booked that uh, Hanes campaign. And so I'm out there selling underpants with Jordan. And it was the first year that I ever had money in my savings account at the end of a year. Hmm. And we were getting engaged. And we looked at the amount she owed and kind of said, look, you're paying 7 8% on these loans. I don't know anything about money. Uh, there's no way I could somehow find a return that could beat that. So, Risk-free. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just wipe this out. Let's write a big check. We'll blow our savings out, but we'll have a clean slate moving forward. And we wrote the checks, put them in the envelope, and my wife just starts crying. Aww. And I felt embarrassed that I didn't appreciate what she'd been going through. It's such a burden. It is. It affects every decision you make. Everything from, are we going to take a vacation this year, mm. to... Uh, am I going to get that nicer sandwich today mm-hmm. or am I going to go to the bodega and get the 350 ham and cheese again? Mm. So it's just there. You carry it with you everywhere. And I I was ignorant of that. And it really woke me up to see what it meant for her to be unshackled and for her to be able to then take the steps to pursue the career that she took out the loans to pursue. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. We'll get back to our interview with Michael Torpy in just a minute. You know, I know if you are listening to this and thinking, oh, my God, I'm saddled with student loan debt or I don't want my kid to be saddled with student loan debt. I get that. And just because you have that debt, even though you hear us all the time talk about how to pay it down, doesn't mean you shouldn't be investing for your future at the exact same time. And one of the ways you could do that would be to set up an automatic investment in, say, a Roth IRA, where money comes out of your checking or savings account every month and automatically goes into a Roth IRA. And one place you might want to do that is with our sponsor, Betterment, which is the largest independent online financial advisor. Betterment has a great mission to help customers make the most of their money. How do they do that? They take complex investing strategies and use technology to make them more efficient. Betterment also provides access to unlimited personalized advice from licensed experts. I think the big issue when you're thinking about juggling student loan debt or starting to invest is to make sure that your fees are as low as possible, because obviously every dollar you save in fees flows to you. Better Off listeners can get up to one year managed free. For more information, visit Betterment.com slash Better Off. That's Betterment.com slash Better Off. And now back to our interview with Michael Torpy. Talk about this show and and describe the three contestants come on and uh, they have student debt Mm -hmm. and they play almost like a fun game of trivia in, in a round robin and you joke along the way and you got some fun stuff that happens and then you essentially have the chance to wipe away the student loan debt how are you guys doing that i don't get it well uh in terms of the actual money yeah it's all part of the show budget you know we we factored it in this is how much each episode can cost to produce right and this is our 
chunk that we're setting aside to pay out is winning. But do you guys, how do you figure this out? Like, do they have to show evidence that they have student Yeah, we did full background checks on everybody to make sure that they were being honest about their loan amounts and what their situation was. Our casting team did a phenomenal job finding people to come on this show Mm. because no one had heard about the show yet, so no one was lining up. Hopefully with success, people will say, hey, I want to come do this. This is, one, fun, and two, a great chance for me to win some money to pay off my debt. But with no one knowing about the show, we had to go out and find people. And specifically, I asked them to find folks who had been doing everything by the book, people who were doing it right and still weren't making progress because mm. that's where the problem is. All the things you put off. You know, maybe we, I met people who their relationships had fallen apart because mm. of debt, because they didn't feel comfortable getting married yet or, or they didn't feel comfortable having kids with all this debt and their partner said, I don't want to wait on these things. Mm-hmm. So it's holding people back in all sorts of ways. I wanted to find those folks who were working the job that they wanted to work and weren't making progress or were working the job that they hated and they couldn't make that jump because they couldn't afford to take one month unemployed. Mm -hmm. The experience of your wife is one thing. What have you learned in shooting this show now about other people with debt besides, you know, outside of this Mm -hmm. primary experience that you've had? The most eye-opening thing for me was uh, we did an episode for people who were the first in their families to go to college. And... I think it's easy right now to see people who have this debt and say, look, they signed the papers. They should have known what they were getting into. I think it's important to understand it's not really an honest choice for a lot of people. One, college is baseline education now. Mm -hmm. It's not extra. No. It is what is required for the vast majority of jobs. So the fact that we require people to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get what is a standard education now is crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. That aside, when you are the first in your family, when there are generations of people looking at you, that's also not a choice. You don't have an option to say, guys, I can't afford this. I'm not going to do it. People are counting on you and you don't have a safety net there. You don't have, you know, maybe you don't have the, the home equity my parents had because your family just got here. Right. So, you know, they don't have all these other options to finance this. They take it out on themselves. They take out private loans. And I really respect the risk that those people took. It was, it was eye-opening for me to, to really understand the pressure on some people to go to college. And then it's not, uh, there isn't an option to pass up the opportunity. You feel like, I have to borrow this money. Do you guys have a view about like how much total debt you want someone to have coming on the show? In other words, do you, we sometimes get stories of you know these... These young people who are like, oh, I went to graduate school and I have one hundred and forty five thousand dollars. Do you have a limit that you're willing to take in this first season? We tried to look at an overall number. Mm -hmm. So we gave away uh, in the first season almost half a million dollars. Oh, my God. Which was fantastic. It's awesome. And and kind of what, you know, within the area that we were budgeted for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with a, a further season pickup. We're hoping to do, you know, if people watch the show and, and we get to do more episodes, my goal is to have some big episodes. So all three people come on plus $100,000. And, you know, that's our like big night episode. Someone here is going to have the chance to win $100,000. Mm-hmm. We couldn't bring in people who had $200,000 of debt. Mm-hmm. It would have blown our whole budget out. Yeah, and we yeah, wouldn't right. be able to help as many folks. And listen, the, the average loan balance, you know, whatever, there's fights about it because there's different people. But let's just say it's somewhere around 35 or 40 grand. So I think that that's kind of the sweet spot anyway. Mm -hmm. 
now being a new father-ish, yeah, but you're yeah. one and a half years old. Yes. How are you thinking about education for your kid? I hope we figure it out before she's in college because, I mean, the current rate of growth is untenable. Yeah. It would, I don't even know what it would be. It's gone up between 2003 and 2013, it went up 79%. And I, even if, like, you just think about it, like, I know a lot of people say, like, that's just a big number. Well, just think about, like, your average wage growth in the United States. Mm-hmm. Just think about that for the last 20 years, and it's the cost of college has risen at twice that pace. Mm-hmm. And if you're a middle-income American whose wage has essentially not, has not gone grown. up in 20 years and the cost of college has gone up in 20 years, you are screwed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that it's such an interesting concept. It's a very fun and exciting way to, to bring this to light. And, you know, you also give some statistics along the way, which mm-hmm. I think is a good thing to do. And you, But, but it's, it's not like doom and gloom. It's a fun way to talk about it. I felt a responsibility to make this a, an entertaining show because, well, one, it is, it's a sad topic. We're playing in a dark comedy. I mean, one of the things we say about this show is it's an absurd response to an absurd problem. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can all get together, laugh at how ridiculous the situation is first, and that can be something that brings us together and we can move forward as a group from there. Right. And also the contestants come on and they're sharing their stories, they're opening their hearts to our audience, they're yeah. being vulnerable. I wanted to make sure that they enjoyed themselves while they were playing. And I everybody be, and everybody gets a little bit of money. Nobody goes home empty-handed. Every single person who comes on that stage wins money. Someone's listening. They've got debt. What do they do? How do they get on the show? How do they apply to get on the show? Well, do you have a special code for better off listeners? We all we should. <laughs> we should. Well, first step is watch the show. Yeah. You know, it, it starts on uh, July 10th at 10 p.m. on True TV. Watch the show. Tweet about it. Support it. Let people know that you want more episodes of this show because we we filmed our first season already um and we need an order to make more in order to help more people so also michael needs to send his kid to college so (laughs) like we need a renewal here and and uh so you know suny is great but you know maybe colgate too no 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 colgate no colgate suny only state school all right state school so we're almost done is it has it been good so far? Yeah, I think it's been great. Do you want to sing another song before we leave? Uh, What's your other favorite role that you had in uh, high school? Any uh, Sondheim in your background? You know, we did, in in seventh grade, we did HMS Pinafore. Oh, jeez, don't do that. It's <laughs> just me, one me, of the dumbest tell shows. Me, tell me more about high school. Were you like Pippin or something? No, what did I do? Okay, so high school was... Uh, Oklahoma, Guys and Dolls, Camelot. Wait a minute. Guys and, let's go back to Guys and Dolls. Yeah. Who were you in Guys and Dolls? Sky Masterson. Stop it. You're the star. S- still had long hair. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I had you... long hair until my senior year, so I played a lot of a lot of roles with long hair that uh, they weren't, shockingly, they weren't written that way. Do you want to sing Luck Be a Lady tonight a little bit? <sighs> Do I want to? Because I think that that is a good, maybe that's a good song for us. I, can I just can I just speak it? Because there's a lot. Yeah. Here's the bottom line: a lady doesn't wander all over the room and blow on some other guy's dice. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean when I say that? Yes. Okay. I feel like I'm sitting with Damon Runyon right now. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, okay. Before you leave. Yeah. Michael Torpy of Paid Off yeah. Creator Star Exciting. We started the show and I asked you the best financial or money decision you mm-hmm. ever made. What's the worst one? Um. Okay, the worst financial decision I've made, money decision I made, when I was probably 10 or 11, I had a 
Mark McGuire Olympic Tops trading card. Oh, my God. Now, this was before everybody knew that he was a juice head. Okay. This thing had street value, $18, $19. Yeah. I kept it in good condition. Okay. Uh, there was an older kid in the neighborhood, nice kid, not a bad kid. Hmm. He said, hey, you want to trade that Mark McGuire card? That's worth $19. Look at all these cards. I, I'll trade you four of these Hal Morris rookie cards, three of these, two of these. He puts together a pot of cards. Mm-hmm. Total value of that, 25 You said, I'm in. I'm in. I, I, just, trade- did, I just did an arbitrage. Absol- 18 turned into 25 overnight. Absolutely. Yeah. Those guys all flame out. Yep. Mark McGuire breaks the home run record. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there with all these useless cards. What and was it, that card worth at the top? Uh, the figure? Mark McGuire rookie card from Tops. Maybe it peaked at like a hundred. Maybe when he was when he broke the record the first so time. So your big mistake was a seventy-five dollar mistake. Is yeah. what you're telling me. Yeah. Hmm, well, I, I didn't have money for a lot of my life, so it's hard to make mistakes when you don't have it. Yeah. Are you do you, so you have your own company? You're self-employed, right? Yeah. All right, so just make sure you got a retirement plan rocking, okay? I got to take care of you. I'm working on it. I got my step set up. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very good. Michael Torpy, thank you so much for joining us. Jill, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. Okay, it's time for our listener question of the week. Remember, you have two chances to get on live with us, with me and Mark, every single week. On Thursdays, after the interview segment, we have a listener question of the week, and then we drop our bonus call of the week on Tuesdays. Just send us an email, askjill at betteroffpodcast.com. Today, we are joined by Chad, who is calling from the beautiful Hudson Valley in New York. Chad, quite a renaissance in the Hudson Valley up there. So uh, are all the annoying people from Manhattan bugging you now? <laughs> they seem to be spending most of their time in the city uh, right now. All right. Phew. You got a little reprieve. Tell me what I can do for you. Yes. Uh, I recently moved, and uh, I'm able to invest or save a little bit more money now. Uh, and I was trying to figure out where the best place to put that money is. Okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? I'm 29 years old, uh, single, no family at all. Uh, so I'm in a pretty good situation there. Mm-hmm. I with the move, I'm able to max out my TSP 401k plan. I also max out my IRA, and I put about $650 a month in other investments. Hold on. Hold on. I want to make sure I get this. You're 29, and you're putting 18500 bucks away into your retirement account pre-tax, and then 5500 bucks on top of that? Uh, for, for the year, correct. Oh, my God. You're amazing. How much money do you make? Uh, around a hundred thousand. Oh, this is fan. This is what happens when you make a hundred thousand, and you can have cheap rent in the Hudson Valley. I'd make that disappear exactly. in five seconds in New York, or you know, somewhere else, <laughs> right? You said six hundred fifty bucks a month into like a non-retirement account. Correct. What's like your your general outlook in terms of how you manage your money? Like, what do you? What are the investments that you're using in your your employer account? What are you using in your IRA? And tell me what you're using in this non-retirement account. For both my employer account and my IRA, they're in a target date retirement fund. They're both 2050 and 2055. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my non-retirement account is in a growth fund through Vanguard, and they have around 80, it's about 81% in stocks. How much money in each of these accounts right now? 
Uh, right now, in my employer accounts, about fifty-four thousand. My IRA is around ninety thousand, and the other account has around seventy-three thousand. You're awesome. You are cranking. I presume no debt that's out there, right? Correct. No debt. Okay. And is there any reason why, in the non-retirement account, that seventy-three thousand dollars, that you would need to access that money to say buy a house or something like that, or you know, what, I guess I'm trying to figure out what's the time horizon on that account. I have no plans to use that at all. The only thing would be if the right investment were to come up in something else, but currently there's no plans in the immediate future. Okay. So, you know, a couple of things come to mind. One is that the growth fund at Vanguard, I know it's probably a very good fund, but is it creating some tax liability? I mean, you, you filed your taxes. Did that create some taxable distributions for you? It did. Uh, not a lot, but there was some tax distributions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I presume that that also has, a. I mean, just because you're young, and so obviously if you only started investing in the last 10 years, you probably have a low-cost basis in this. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so we don't want to sell that. But I guess what I would say is for the taxable account, I would be careful um, maybe as you look to add another index fund or, or another fund to your mix, I would try to pick an index type of fund because you have that fixed basket so the fund doesn't turn over and it will not create as big a tax liability as, say, a growth fund would. So, you know, maybe add, say a small bond index position just because you never know. And so maybe I would add like the extended market index, a bond index, and maybe an international index. Maybe just like if you're going to look and putting like your 650 to work, maybe I would go, you know, a couple hundred in each of those funds going forward. So you start building up some other parts of your non-retirement account. And the reason why I would add maybe a little bond index investment here is that essentially when I look at your situation, I I say to myself, you know, you don't know if you're going to need the money, but if you end up saying like, wow, I just found this great place and I really want to buy it, you want a little bit less risk in this account. So I think that's fair. Now, the target date fund, is the IRA a Roth or a traditional? It's a Roth. Okay, good. That one, I guess I also would start to say, like, once you get to have maybe a hundred grand, I don't know. I sort of feel like you could start adding some funds to that and not just use the target date fund because I think there are other flavors. Yeah, I know the target date, and you're using just a, a Vanguard target date fund? Correct. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, you might look around. Maybe there's some, you know, cool fund that you would want to throw in there. Maybe you want to say, hey, I'd like an emerging market fund or an international fund. I want to add a little something else. It's a good place to do it. It's, you know, probably the last money you're going to access. Otherwise, I think you're in amazing shape. You know, I think you got the gold star. Mark, would you say that Chad is our gold star investor of the day today? Today, definitely. And maybe for a week, maybe the month. I think you're doing great. Fantastic. And uh, I'll be adding about another 1000 to $1,500 a month into the savings. Would you recommend just throwing that money into uh, across those investments you mentioned? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you could look around and, and start playing with it a little bit yourself. Um, you know, you're managing your own money. You're starting to have enough money where I would say that the target date, it's okay. It's totally fine. But again, I think you'd start adding some other investments. And, you know, if you are thinking that, 
you know, you really want to grab control of this, you can start popping around and looking at some, you know, calculators and look at some asset allocation stuff. But, you know, I know you're young and you're aggressive. I I do think adding some tax efficient parts of this non-retirement account would serve you well. Fantastic. All right. Good luck. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Take care. Thanks to our guest, Michael Torpy, and our caller, Chad. Don't forget, we drop new episodes of Better Off every Tuesday and Thursday. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Google Play, Radio.com, Stitcher, wherever. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is the best executive producer in the world. We are distributed by Cadence 13, and we're sponsored by Betterment. See you next week.